You're listening to the Weed Smart Podcast, where each fortnight we chat about dealing with those pesky weeds. Welcome to another week of the Weed Smart Podcast. We've got a really packed podcast for you today. We're going to be catching up with Ray Harrington. We, we saw him at Texpo and he's going to give us a little bit of a rundown of how he's having some really big wins with weed control on his farm. We're also going to hear from Sam Eagle. He's a mixed farmer and he'll be at Horsham Weed Smart Week. So he's going to give us a little bit of an overview of his farming system and why he's excited about the event in Horsham at the end of the month. And then we're also going to be talking with Jack Dabio and he's going to be talking to us about paired rows and entry-level crop competition, which is going to be really interesting as well. But firstly, Pete, how are you going? Yeah, I'm great, Jess. How are you? I'm really good and we've got an exciting uh, evening personally for us today. We're recording on Friday because Emerald Weed Smart Week is next week so I won't be in the office. Usually we'd record the day before our podcast goes out but this is a bit of an early one so we're very excited about the weekend. You're seeing Fleetwood Mac and I'm seeing Ross Noble tonight so it's going to be good. Yeah, I'm very excited. I am a tiny bit concerned that it's just like a superannuation tour for Fleetwood Mac though, Jess, (laughs) but I'm... Got my fingers crossed that it's yeah. going to be really great. Keep and Ross so. Noble's got to be one of the funniest people on the planet, I reckon. I think you're in for a treat. Yeah, I'm really excited. Yeah. But let's get into the podcast. Uh, first, we're going to hear from Ray Harrington. Now, Pete, you had a catch-up with Ray as well, and that's what prompted this interview. Can you just give us a little bit of an overview of the catch-up you had with Ray and what you spoke about? Yeah, well, Ray just called me out of the blue, Jess, and said, Peter, we're calling the shots. You know how Ray always has this saying that the weeds are calling the shots, we want the farmers calling the shots. He said, when I got back from Melbourne and I went for a drive around the farm, I just felt that we were calling the shots. And the reason he said that was that he didn't get a knockdown at all last year on their property, and that's very rare where they farm. Mm. Uh, And then turn around this year again, they didn't get a knockdown again, and he thought, well... I'm sure that the weeds would have gone really backwards. This is going to be a step back. We're going to see a lot of weeds in the crop. And when he got back from Melbourne and went driving around their tillering crops, you know, they were really quite weed-free. And he thought, right, we've nailed it. We've arrived. We are calling the shots. And so I think it's a great story of hope. It really is, and yeah, really a big seller for the for the Weed Smart Big Six as well, and for people to really take that on board. He's a big advocate, so that's really great to hear. Shall we take a listen to the interview, Pete? Yes, let's do it. We're here at Texpo. I'm chatting with Ray Harrington, who pretty much everyone should know, but if you're unfamiliar with Ray Harrington, he is famous for the Harrington Seed Destructor, which is doing great things and evolving as we speak. There's lots of different models out there and we're going to chat a little bit about that, but we're actually going to chat more about the more longer-term story that Ray has experienced with his farm and all the tactics that he's used and is really having success with controlling weeds on his property. Firstly, Ray, how are you going? Not too bad. Yes, not too bad at all. Now, Pete uh, has had a chat with you recently and he said that you're really really quite happy with how things are progressing. Can you just tell us a little bit of background on why this year has really got you excited? I think the the bit to, the, this year's finally shown up the results of last year. Now last year we took a huge risk because uh, the last thing you do in our part of the world in the rural gravel country is don't have a knockdown. Well last year Tim and I had to try and decide what to do 
and Tim asked me when it was going to rain and I said probably in July and he, and he looked at me and he said well what makes you say that and I said on oh, my gut feeling and he said well that's not good enough <laughs> then towards the end of towards Anzac Day he asked me again when is it going to rain and I said it's not going to rain till the middle of June and he said well we better get this crop in the ground now there's no knockdown you don't put a crop in the ground in, in West Arthur in dark without a knockdown we proceeded to go without the knockdown and I was prepared and I talked to Pete and that last year I was prepared to go backwards in my weed control and get the crop in the ground now interestingly enough we'd had an 80 mil rain event in January we got 80% of the crop out of the ground before it rained on the 14th of June yeah, wow. now this was a big risk and what I saw after we put that crop in was I'd expected, there's an old saying, one year's weed, seven years pain. I reckon now it's probably one year's weed, we can cut it back to three years pain, but I think it's better than that. So what I saw last year, I didn't feel we went backwards at all. And I thought, oh, well, that's all right. We won't see this again for another 10 years. It'll be all right. Sure enough, it's bobbed its head up again in 2019. Wow. And what I'm... I walked around shaking my head last year and what it's done is given us the confidence now where we didn't feel we went backwards. Now, but what I'm saying there, we're using the whole package now. A lot of the package that's Ari's developed, that's uh, narrow row spacing, east-west sowing, uh, higher sowing rates and, and one of the big six harvest weed seed management. And that now has shown up that that package and the knife points, the uh, little disturbance of the, of the soil, drying it out. That package enables us to get the crop out of the ground. Yep. We were rewarded last year with the final yields because we'd got the crop in the ground and we had a soft spring. What last year did was gave us the confidence to go again this year where we only basically had 15 mil of rain and we just went ahead and, and put the crop in. And, and once again, we got a heat and a lot of it out of the ground before we got a decent rain. Sure, I've got some gravel spots. So with that confidence, we've got the crop in the ground. And I am really pleasantly surprised. Definitely didn't go backwards in weed control this year. And then when you look at your crop now, because we're into August... This is the time when you walk in your crops and you see the weeds that have started to grow. Yeah, and yeah. Well, I'm walking down the rows and our weed control, I feel we're still going forward with the whole system. I think this new system has come of age. We've been in the harvest weed seed uh, since 2002 and I think it's really taken that long and the numbers have just crashed. But... But that's, that's not the sole answer, it's pre-emergence and, and it's that whole package. But I've often said, and you've heard me say, that the weeds are managing the farms now, they're, they're calling shots. Well, I truly feel at home now, we've turned that around, we now can start call the shots. But by the same token, we're not going to back off on anything. No, not at all. And, and keep pushing forward. So here's another difficult season. I've got canola in full flower. I've got wheat in first node. I've got barley in first node. And I look around at some of the other crops around in the district. They've only been out of the ground for two weeks. And um, a lot of canola is struggling. And it's really 
that package you put together will enable you to get the crop in the ground, take advantage of the moisture. Interesting with part of my TT canola is um, 200 hectares in the paddock. You drive down, there's a line of canola where it's different to the other side. One was sown dry and the rain came on the weekend and we stopped and the other one was sown after it rained. It was only a shower, but it actually dried the paddock a little and it's two weeks behind the other side and was only right. sown a couple of weeks different. Oh, wow. So this package that's been developed, a lot of RE stuff and that, I really think it's a new era in cropping and uh, it's taken the pressure off. It's it makes you a bit more relaxed. You, you feel as though you're back in control. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. And yeah, yeah using all those big six tactics which have been, yeah, gathered through yeah. all the research that's been done in yeah. ARI and other research yeah. centres around Australia, uh, definitely the go-to now for farmers to really get on top of weed control. Yeah. But Pete was also talking to me about when there is some resistance to adopting some of these practices and, and doubts around things like harvest weed seed control, your farm really does have, you know, conditions which are ripe for weeds like ryegrass so it's a really good story to be able to say yeah. like you can you really can do this and you can get on top of it isn't it see one of the problems we got with the big six you really don't know if they work <laughs> honestly you you go buy a new air cedar that's another bit of gear you go and buy a new air cedar you don't know if that mm. works for five days after yeah. you sow and then up it comes well with with the big six you actually can't physically see stuff you you've got to have a lot of faith in the research yeah. and and it doesn't take one year it's a decline in numbers and and uh, it takes three or four years so you spend your money you've got no guarantee but I think there's enough happening around now to show us that all the research that's done by the Michael Walshers and Peter Newmans and Steve Fowles all that work that's been done that said this should happen is happening yeah yeah and and that and that's great without all that research it might have stopped mm, it yeah. might have stopped you think well what am i wasting my time for so yeah. and that's that's the confidence now i really think and, and we're not we're not weed free don't think for one second you're weed free but you just look around and tim actually stopped me in the paddock and said the other day what are we spraying this radish for uh <laughs> it's it's another area we now we now are at the stage we don't know how much radish is left and it's a problem should we be even spraying it it's mm. it needs some science applied to it we actually have a trial with the egg department yeah. on eight hectares yeah uh, it's when do we stop spraying the radish mm, yeah. you can't afford not to do it so that there's something that's got to have some science applied to it yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And in terms of any other practices that you're thinking of adopting or you're excited about in the future, could you tell us what you might adopt next or what practices you might look at next? I mean, we're at Texpo and there's lots of innovative ag talk at the moment. Has, has anything kind of got your ears pricked up? Uh, well, I'm interested in, in the thoughts on the alternative foods, growing alternative food crops, yeah. and we're going to be talking about that later. The digital world... There's no question about it. That's where we'll be looking. If it wasn't for the digital stuff we've got already, it makes it so much easier to farm. And that's just going to evolve. The, the mind boggles what that'll do in the next mm, 10 yeah. years. So, But what I'm looking at now is um, my drainage project's gone onto the front burner and I'm going to have some of that implemented next summer, come hell or high water. 
Okay. So there's always something happening. Always something happening. Well, your farm is such a great case study and it's so great to be able to hear that over so many years you've seen such good progress and now you're feeling so confident with uh, the tactics that you're using. So, yeah, really appreciate you sharing the story. Yeah, not a problem. Thanks so much for uh, catching up with us, Ray Harrington, at Texpo. It was a really busy event and a great event as well. So that was in Wajan and Katanning in WA this week. So really lucky to be able to catch Ray because he's a, he's a well-wanted man in all the ag circles, Pete. But one of the things he did speak about in that interview was the fact that it did take a bit longer than you might think to kind of get the benefits of some of the uh, big six tactics that you might adopt for weed control. Can you just give some context around that Pete? Yeah and like Ray said he said you you don't know that it's working you trust that all of these these big six these things like crop competition and harvest weed seed control and mixing rotating herbicides all of that stuff you trust that it's going to work but it takes years mm. and so it really takes a bit of commitment and and it takes probably a few more years than you think once people are three or four years into a really robust system they can be looking at their crops thinking oh I think they're a bit cleaner but then you know, they certainly haven't crashed the numbers, but it's really often when people get to year six, seven or eight when they go, okay, the numbers are really crashed now. And then in Ray's case, I think he might be at about year 10 or 11, Jess, mm. maybe not 10 years of harvest weed seed control, but 10 years of effort. Yeah. And then he can say, right, we have nailed this. We are calling the shots. So it takes a bit longer than you think, and it does take faith in the system, but just really great to hear, particularly in that, he is in the home of ryegrass. It is high rainfall, gravelly soils. Ryegrass grows so well there. Just great to hear that that whole system really does work in real life on a, on a working farm like Ray and Tim's farm down there. And then it, you do get there if you stick at it for long enough. Yeah, there's nothing like a really good solid case study like their farm to really show the proof of concept. So, yeah, really great story and, and great to be able to share it with everyone. Now, Pete, we are going to move on to our next interview now with Sam Eagle. He's a, a Bungalali farmer and he's going to be at Weed Smart Week in Horsham. And if you haven't got your tickets for that yet, you can still get your tickets for it. It's August uh, 27th to 29th. So make sure that you are coming along. And before we get into this interview, Pete, we should probably give a little bit of a spook for some of the things that are going on there. You're going to be doing a workshop. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, we're getting a number of harvesters in, Jess, and uh, we're going to do a workshop. We've got a fella coming from Germany, Martin, who's a harvester setup expert. That's what he does for a living. And we are going to talk about harvester setup and setting them up for harvest weed seed control. So we'll do a group in the morning and another group in the afternoon. I'll be exhausted at the end of it, but really looking forward to it. The farmers have organised all these different harvests to be there with different harvest weed seed control tools, and we're going to talk about setting them up and all the intricacies of how to keep the weed seeds in the chaff stream and deliver them into the harvest weed seed control tool. So, yeah, really looking forward to that. Yeah, it's going to be awesome, and there'll be lots of experts there, lots of farmers and agronomists all involved in the Weed Smart Week event in Horsham. Are there any other highlights that you think we should tease out before uh, we get into the interview with Sam, Pete? Uh, for me, Jess, it's just going from to meet the farmers and hear what they're doing, their adoption of these things on farm. That's just so exciting and it just really is real grassroots stuff. You get farmers that have backed themselves for a few years and, and 
use some of these tools and then they can tell their story and other farmers will just hang off every word because it's a real life situation. People like us who are in the communication of this stuff, we just go way into the background, Jess, because the farmers telling other farmers is the is truly the, the best aspect. That's it. And we are going to hear from Sam Eagle, who is a mixed farmer, next. He talks a lot in this interview about innovative containment areas for his stock. What are your thoughts on that kind of stock containment story in a mixed farming system? Well, I'd be really interested to meet Sam and see his farm, Jess, but I just know that he, uh, one of the great mixed farmers in this region near Minganyu, used to say, what I do for my crop is to the detriment of my sheep and vice versa. So... Mixed farming can be tricky to get that balance of sheep and crop in terms of weeds. Uh, sometimes the classic thing, say spray topping pasture too late because we're looking after the clover or whatever it may be, Jess. Mm. And so bringing in those containment areas, I think, gives you the ability to look after the sheep and the crop. And things like grazing chaff dumps has also been a, another good thing where we can benefit both enterprises so just really interested to see how Sam has put it together on his farm to get the, you know the best for both his sheep and crop. All right let's take a listen. Sam Eagle is a mixed farmer based in Bungalali. He'll be presenting the topic controlling seed set in a mixed farming system at our Horsham Weed Smart Week event on the forum day and we'll also be visiting his farm as part of the bus tours. Sam has a Morris Knife Point press wheel system and he also has been trialling an IHSD and has an innovative approach to containment areas for his stock. So we're going to learn a little bit more about his farming system and focusing on that stock containment area as well because that's quite interesting. All right, Sam. So firstly, how are you going? Good. Great to hear. How's the season been going for you? Yeah, really fortunate here. We've had a, a good break and some follow-up rains and it's looking quite good here. So Excellent. Now, we gave a little bit of a intro to your farming system in that intro there, but could you give us a little bit more detail on, on what your farming system is and, and how you operate? Yep. So we're about 75% cropping and the rest sheep. We're, the sheep we run are merinos and we're a self-replacing merino flock and we're controlled traffic 11.7 metres. Yeah, okay, cool. And you've also trialled a weed seed impact mill in the IHSD. How did that come about and how did you find it? Yeah, so the contractor we were using last year happened to have one that we could trial and we sort of jumped at that opportunity because we've been looking at that technology and hearing all about it. And so, yeah, we got to trial a machine without having to buy one, which was really good. Yeah, excellent. And what kind of results did you end up with? Uh, yeah, so the paddocks we trialled it in, we cut hay on half of one canola paddock and then the other half we harvested. And at the moment, so far this season, I can't tell any difference between the two. So I'd say, yeah, it's been quite good for the weed control, yeah. Yeah, that's great to hear. And you guys are also using a Morris Knife Point press wheel system. What are the benefits of that system? Yeah, so we went down the path of a Morris. We used to have a conventional time, just with gang press wheels on the back. But since we went to the controlled traffic and further down the no-till path, our paddocks have become a lot more uneven. And the Morris is a parallelogram bar. And so it seems to be able to follow those contours a lot better and uh, get us a lot better seed placement in wheel tracks and stuff like that yeah yeah very cool and we also mentioned in the intro there that you've got quite an innovative approach to your containment areas for your stock how does this system work and can you tell us what the weed control benefits of it are as well yeah so 
the stock and tamey outs come about sort of 2014 and 15 were both very bad years here and we wanted to retain our stubble so we started building containment yards around 14, 15 and we've been using them ever since. They're really good. We can feed after seed cleaning. We can take all those, all the weeds and rubbish and chaff we've been cleaning out of our seed, feed them in the containment areas and we've contained all those weeds and also get cheap feed. If you have to buy in any hay, same thing. You feed out all this hay and containment, not over your whole farm. And it's, yeah, a really good way of containing weeds with sheep. Is there any downsides to this system that have come about for you, or is it all positives? At the moment, I'd say we've all been pretty positive with the containment. We haven't had too many issues with them at all yet. Okay, that's great to hear. And you're going to be presenting at Weed Smart Week in Horsham, which is not too far away now. Can you give us a little bit of an idea of what you'll be talking about on the forum day? Yeah, so I think we're going to be mostly talking about, we do a lot of, we've been doing a lot of chaff line burning, or yeah, just burning our our canola windrows and barley and wheat, Yeah. and also I'll be talking about our containment areas, and how to use them, and how we've been using them to control weeds, and also to keep our cover on our soils, and um, retain all that stubble over summer, and also in harsh years. Yeah, perfect. And just for the listeners who are obviously not, not everyone is going to be able to come along to Weed Smart Week, unfortunately, can you just let us know how hard it was to set the containment yards up and just a bit behind the process of doing it? Yeah, so anyone that has sort of basic sheep, sheep knowledge, it's a containment yard, all it is is an area you fence off. you just got to make sure we have plenty of water and the containment yards are also very secure because you're putting a lot of sheep in a small area and you don't want them all getting boxed and out on the roads and stuff like that. In terms of how easy they are, it can be as complicated or as simple as you like. Some of our containment yards were just utilising existing paddocks and just putting one extra fence across them. Other ones we actually sort of designed a little bit more with a laneway so we could use them for containment and for fat lambs and other opportunities as well. So, yeah, it can sort of be as easy or as hard as you want to make it. Yeah, right. And it'll be really interesting to be able to come and visit you as well and see that in person. Now, finally, Sam, for people considering coming along, because they can still get tickets for the Horsham event, what would you say to people who are considering coming to Weed Smart Week? Why should they come along? Well, I think not only is it good to see all these new weed control methods and actually see them in practice on people's farms, gives you an opportunity to go see people's farms and get out of your area and think outside the box. And some of the ideas mightn't be rocket science, but they still give you a practical demonstration of how they've been implemented, which is really good. Yeah, definitely. All right, Sam, well, thank you so much for giving us that overview of your farming system, and we look forward to learning much more about it on the forum day and also visiting your farm. So we're really excited and really appreciate your involvement in Weed Smart Week this year. Thanks so much. No trouble at all. Thank you. Thank you very much to Sam Eagle there, mixed farmer who will be presenting at Weed Smart Week in Horsham at the end of the month. Really looking forward to seeing him present and also get to visit his farm. Now, Pete, he's got a little bit of an interesting situation because he's got this mixed farming system and he's also been using an IHSD and you've got some thoughts around that, don't you? Yeah, well, it's a bit of an unknown, Jess. We would sort of assume that a Harrington seed destructor is going to smash up a lot of your volunteer cereal and so on and reduce the grazing potential of your stubbles. 
But then again, it hasn't been measured very much. I know Ed Riggle has done a little bit of measurement and found that the grazing wasn't actually affected that much where he measured it. But just, I'd be really interested to hear from Sam and just once again, just see how, you know, what you're trying to do for your weeds, how it's affecting the sheep and to see if uh, if Harrington seed destructors and mixed farming are compatible. So, yeah, I think we need a bit more data on that, but it'd be interesting to hear that Sam's already having a go at it. Yeah, definitely. And we'll obviously report back as well because we're going to be able to visit him and so you'll hear an update in a following podcast episode in a few weeks' time. But we'll move on to our final interview for the WeedSmart podcast this week, Pete. We're chatting with Jack next about paired rows and entry-level crop competition. And this is one of your big subjects that you really enjoy. What did you think about uh, this chat with Jack? Well, yeah, I love crop competition, obviously, Jess. And as you know, I've sort of been a bit of an advocate of narrow row spacing. And paired rows is a great way of reducing your row spacing without uh, increasing the number of tines or, or reducing your tine spacing. I've done a few trials on this over the years, row spacing, and I've done one trial on paired row versus versus single row seeding at a range of row spacings. And, yeah, it's super interesting because when you go to paired row, you do just spread the seeds out that little bit more. And we found in our trials that we got a much better germination of wheat just by spreading them out that three or four centimetres apart in the row rather than having them say two centimetres apart where they started to impede each other's germination. So just super interested to see if Jack has found the same thing. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's take a listen. Dr. Jack Dabios is a senior agricultural research engineer at the University of South Australia and has undertaken extensive trials investigating the benefits of increasing the space between seeds in the seedbed. Paired row sowing using slitter boots is one way to effectively achieve this, mostly suited to tine seeders rather than disc seeders, and can deliver both increased grain yield and useful suppression of weeds. So we're going to find out a bit more as Jack joins us for the podcast interview. How are you going, Jack? Yeah, hello, uh, all well here. How are you, uh, Jess? Really good. Uh, yeah, busy but very good and really appreciate you taking time because I know you're so busy as well, but it's such an interesting no topic and so we're really glad that you can come on the podcast. Um, let's kick off and just get a few uh, background information things sorted. Can you just tell us how is pair road sowing different to narrow, how is paired road different to narrow row spacing? Yeah, look, it's, uh, for me it's all about increased uh, seedbed utilisation, or what we refer to as SBU. Uh, so SBU is defined as the proportion of the row spacing that is occupied by the crop. And uh, high SBU means more of the paddock area is actually physically occupied by the crop, and that's the above portion part of the crop. So uh, SBU increases with um, both narrow row spacing, but also with a greater lateral seed spread on the row. And when we're talking about increasing the lateral seed spread, uh, this is essentially what we mean by paired row sowing. Uh, and also band sowing or ribbon sowing, these are all techniques that increase the lateral seed spread. Um, and I, I guess uh, in that context, uh, we do see some limitations of narrow row spacings with, with time seeders specifically, because um, a seeder equipped for narrower row spacing um, means it's a greater investment in dollars per meter seeder width. It needs uh, more, uh, or it requires a higher draft um, to pull in, in the paddock. 
Uh, it's also heavier to pull, and, and mainly it has these row-to-row um, -row interactions uh, through the lateral sore throw, and that affects the quality of, of the results of sawing. Um, so that means that often the optimum speed for a narrow spacing cedar is lower than what we would otherwise have. It also presents some uh, limitations for residue handling. So I guess in this context, Pedro systems would um, enable these higher um, SBU benefits of, uh, that, that you would also uh, have with narrower row spacings, but without the drawbacks of narrower row spacing. So if, if you like, that's where I see paired rows sort of uh, differing from narrow spacings. Yeah, right. So you've kind of mentioned um, the, that core benefit there, but can we go into a little bit more detail of those benefits yeah. of paired rows? Sure. Um, I would look at it two ways. So uh, one uh, farmers actually adopt paired rows and they, they want essentially to increase the seed vegetarization. Uh, the benefits of that approach is to increase the grain yield potential because plants have got more space to, and they're, they're less um, close to uh, uh, no neighboring plants, so there's more, more space there, less competition. But by occupying a bigger area of the paddock, they also are much more effective at competing against weeds. So it's, it's the, the two effects there. When we increase the lateral seed spread, we also decrease the risks of fertilizer toxicity. Uh, so that's another benefit as well, and, and often uh, increasing seed bed utilization is, is uh, what farmers want to do as well when they, they grow hay crops, because it's sort of uh, more suited to growing hay crops as well. So that's the first part for me, but one could look at it as well as um, essentially uh, keeping a seed bed utilization the same by going wider row spacing and paired row seeding together. So essentially in that case, um, the, the, the cedar is, uh, is cheaper, it's lighter in weight, and it's, it, it, takes, uh, it requires less fuel per hectare to pull, so, and it's better at handling uh, residue as well. And essentially it allows higher speed for uh, uh, the same sowing quality. And, and in practice too, like it's, it's, uh, we're able to um, inter-row sow, so no locate the seed row between existing stubble rows. So essentially when you're looking at adopting paired row in combination with wider row spacings to keep essentially the same seed bed utilization, then you've got a whole sort of um, aspect of benefits there as well. Yeah, okay, great. And how easy is it to adopt paired row sowing? Look, uh, for me, um, I see two types of systems. Um, uh, the first type would be the, the very simple sort of uh, uh, add-on um, outlets that are paired outlets that essentially replace the single row outlets that are on, on systems. So they, these tend to operate into the loose uh, soil tills in the furrow. Uh, but sometimes if they are strong enough or rigid enough, they can also be a secondary opener. But essentially they're, they're, they're split, they're further apart, uh, uh, further behind the, the opener if you like. Uh, the other type is a much more integrated, um, streamlined sort of uh, attachment, and it's uh, integrated with the opener itself. It's much more compact. And I think um, basically th these two exist in the market, and th they are available to retrofit most cedars. Now, I would say that most of the um, manufacturers offer a paired row or splitter boot system on their machines. So um, in the cropping systems, um, I would say the, the best uh, scenario to use paired row systems are include like um, marginal soil moisture conditions um, where we can place seeds into undisturbed, undisturbed soil moisture. And that is perhaps more suitable for um, 
integrated openers. Um, uh, it's also, I guess, these integrated openers that are more streamlined and more compact. They are probably better as well to handle um, pre-emergent herbicides. Um, there's issues of crop safety if you sort of use pedro systems that are placing seeds into a, a furrow tilt into the backfield uh, and that are further behind the uh, the opener. So uh, there's a range of uh, technologies, if you like, and they, they might uh, perform differently in different cropping systems. But I don't see an issue with using pedro systems in stony soils if they are essentially operating shallow and they don't have a deep till section uh, in them. Uh, so essentially dropping seeds uh, in the bed or as a paired robe at the bottom of the furrow. Um, potentially non-wetting soils as well, that, that can work if, um, if we can match the, the seeding depths with the, the, uh, the depths of the moisture front as well, essentially uh, just below the, the dry top layer. Um, and, and also, you know, in, in general sort of terms, I think they are quite easy to, to adopt. Uh, the, the key thing for me when one considers uh, using or adopting a pedro system is the, is the relationship between uh, the primary furrow that the opener creates and essentially the, um, the side ledges into the walls of the furrow that are targeted with the pedro system where seeds are placed on these ledges. Uh, away from the center and then co at the control depth. So if uh, we operate too deep with the front f uh, furrow opener, potentially we have issues with seed placement quality or uniformity behind, etc. But uh, in summary, I guess um, there are lots of uh, different systems out there uh, and they differ a lot in their features and characteristics. And I think the, the right choice um, is needed uh, when, when sort of using specific cropping systems. Yeah, right. And you've given a really good overview there, but are there any other, um, are there any disadvantages that people should be aware about yeah. in regards to peridro sowing? Yeah. Look, the, the first disadvantage potentially is the increased soil disturbance because we're increasing the lateral seed spread with a peridro setup and, and some are designed to be quite streamlined and fitting within a, an existing knife point furrow and essentially there's little amount of extra uh, soil disturbance there. But if we want to increase... Um, spread and maximize that and we need to create more disturbance and often the the paired row attachment will actually contribute to, to some extra soil throw so that is a, a bit of an issue essentially we kind of setting up a crop to be much more um, uh, competitive against uh, weeds but in the process of doing that we are creating more disturbance which in turn can also stimulate more seed germination um, so uh, the, the more disturbance we create, uh, the more we need to control speed or control soil throw, and there are some attachments that can be added to even out the soil throw and, and, and finish with a, an even sort of um, set of furrows at, at the end of it. Um, but this is, I would say, the key um, sort of uh, drawback in the main, that there are other practical issues. For example, um, in the wet, sticky conditions, we might get higher risks of blockages because, uh, especially with the uh, integrated designs, the, the seed boot outlets are well within the furrow and um, they are more likely to block if we if the farmer is not careful, like if um, uh, stopping while being in the ground or, or essentially um, and, uh, um, not uh, engaging, like uh, not going forward while, while getting into to depth as well. So these are practical considerations when using them. Some of the designs have got narrow uh, openings as well, so it's much 
uh, it's not so well suited to the larger seeds or seeds with horns so that there are blockages of seed flow as well potentially um, generally speaking if we're talking about edge row sowing um, as well like paired row systems are probably not best suited so that's maybe the, the, the greater challenge is how do you use paired row systems in a non-welling soil environment where uh, edge row sowing is often sort of recommended and um, what we see there is a research opportunity um, to actually develop better press wheel systems that follow uh, paired row systems uh, in the non-welling soil so that the water harvesting benefits of furrows can be uh, adapted to suit the paired row scenario. Um, and, and the work we're doing at the moment, we're actually seeing synergies between using paired row systems and soil wetters uh, while also uh, doing on row sowing as well. So it's like a package of uh, practice uh, in order to maximize the performance in, in non-wetting sowers. But, uh, you know, essentially there are some, some limitations, but it's about how uh, being aware of them, I guess, and how to, um, to best apply the paired row sowing in, in, uh, in an existing cropping system. Okay, cool. And what about data? Is there any data to determine yeah. if paired row sowing is increasing yield compared to single row sowing? Yeah, look, uh, there's been data, I think, for quite a while, I would say. You know, in the early days when um, some of the theoretical considerations of square planting for cereals uh, were being evaluated in the UK, for example, looking at um, essentially maximizing space be between each plant, a grain-producing plant, and then thereby maximizing the grain yield potential of the crop. Um, the work we've done, um, we, we've looked at that say, a few years ago now in many different types of seeding system trials where higher seed bed utilization was part of uh, the, the factors we looked at. And we, we have found that consistently there would be a message of, um, uh, of yield advantage, uh, perhaps 4 6% on average, up to 10%, where the seed rates are a bit higher, where the, the, the grain yield potential is a bit higher. But I think the more important part is um, the fact that under weedy conditions, then the grain yield of the crop under high seed bed utilization is much more robust. So essentially, um, the, the loss, the grain yield loss to, due to weeds, it's much lower with the high seed bed, high seed rate combination compared to a normal sort of seed bed utilization and, and standard seed rate. And I think it's a synergy as well of uh, the um, high seed bed utilization with high seed rate, I think that pays best in terms of uh, crop response. But um, we, we found like um, a yield benefit of, I think in 2005 we had trials um, in, on the York Peninsula in SA and for a, I think a crop of 3.6 tons cookery wheat, we found a benefit of 0.4 tons due to combining high, high SBU and high seed rate. And um, that benefit was doubled under weedy conditions. Essentially, there was a, quite a significant loss in crop yield, but that crop yield remained quite robust with uh, with a high seed bed utilization and high seed rate combination. So, to me, it's, it's the two combined that makes it best uh, to essentially get the most benefit out of high SBU sowing. Okay, cool. And what is the minimum distance between wheat seeds before we start seeing a reduction in emergence? Yeah. Um, look, we haven't looked at the direct impact of uh, what, what we call like interplant distance on emergence rate, uh, but certainly uh, there's much to suggest that crowding, crowding seeds on the row will significantly affect the extent of crop establishment. Um, 
for me, I would expect that this impact is most obvious in marginal moisture situations where seeds are more likely to compete with the penalty um, for the available moisture. So I would also say that the minimum distance between seeds um, would vary the seed size and also the, the furrow context. So how much um, like soil type, moisture content, and how much fall up rainfall might be as well. Uh, but also other sources of, co of competition for moisture, like um, a fertilizer, proximity of fertilizer, like in single shoot banding, for example. So all of that, I think, will affect what is the uh, threshold uh, value of plant distance be, uh, bo uh, below which we start to see some significant impact. But um, what I would say is that uh, you know the, the trends of, of overall is that uh, even in internationally, like the minimum till and no till time seeders, they all now tend to offer uh, what what often is referred to as bane sowing capability. So essentially, a large seed spread on the row, um, and they will report yield benefits. Um, but this is all in line with giving more space to each plant. And uh, I'm not sure if there's a, a one you know, value there to, to quote, to really uh, say, to try and stay uh, above that. What I probably would say as well is that the, um, this minimum free space threshold for each plant is also like the, um, the underlying principle of using seed singulation and precision placement technology, like what's commonly used for summer crop, uh, summer grain crops, but now we're trying to actually uh, evaluate that approach as well with uh, winter grain crops. And there's a, a currently a GLC-funded project in both the west and the south, southern region, uh, which aims to put numbers on these benefits um, of more even spacing on the row. So uh, overall, I would perhaps say that the evenness of spacing is maybe more important than the average optimum spacing threshold value, if you like, I think. Um, yeah, that's probably all I, I can say, I think, in terms of this um, minimum distance value. Okay, right. And do you yourself have a preferred pair row seeding system? I always get these type of questions, <laughs> I, guess, I guess, from farmers too. But look, we've, we've done many trials over the years, and we started in late 90s with pair row systems. Um, at the time, we had the... Uh, Anderson opener, uh, which was more of a ribbon painting, um, flexicoil stealth, there was Morris Gumbo, etc. Now the, the choice is much broader, uh, and most manufacturers, I would say, are off, uh, can offer now Pedro or band sewing attachments options on their systems. Um, I, I guess um, for me, the more compact designs overall, these integrated designs are perhaps better performers in many situations. Um, you know, we've got the, the likes of Stiletto, Agmaster, Root Boots, and Groundhog, etc. I think W as well. Um, there are very different systems there, but um, for me, I would say we need to consider the, the actual agronomy when we select a system. Um, and issues of uh, fertilizer placement, uh, single shoot, double shoot, and if it's double shoot, deep or shallow banded, they, they, will, they will differ in that respect. Uh, the risks of pre-emergence herbicides for crop safety and integrated systems will tend to be much more safe than um, systems that are split um, or detached with an independent sort of um, press wheel regulated sort of opener, like the, the likes of, say, uh, uh, DBS or John Deere Conserva Pack, these also exist with uh, paired row um, attachments. Um, and, and perhaps uh, unless they're able to to create a, a ledge into the furrow, uh, the existing furrow, and, and 
move away from the backfill of the soil tills, then potentially there's greater risk of crop safety in, in our sort of experience. Uh, dry sowing is also an issue to think about when um, using paired row systems because um, essentially when the, the furrow is getting too wide for the, the actual space between the two rows, then we tend to have seeds fall back down into the, the deeper part of the center trench and that, that is a limitation sometimes. So the, it's the relationship that I mentioned before uh, of not having a, a primary furrow that is too deep for the width of the paired row. And uh, so paired rows often come up in, come in, in three or four inches um, space between them. So that's uh, essentially, if, um, if you're doing dry sowing into a more compact soil, which will be a bit more cloudy when that happens, uh, I think uh, probably a wider seed spread is probably safer and certainly a shallower uh, depth of operation there as well. But not all systems are adjustable, so it's about selecting the right system for, for the conditions there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a common limitation, if you like, about um, how some of the systems might perform across different soil types, etc. So that was the long answer. The short answer, I don't really have. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure everyone listening appreciates the longer answer anyway, because it's an yeah, interesting yeah. area. And what about what's yeah. next with uh, paired row sowing research? Yeah, so we're doing a bit of work. Um, I think overall, I would say that there's scope to improve the. Um, uh, seeding system opener, ferro opener technology, when we, we, we try to, to increase the seed spread, trying to better match the two, and, and the aim for, for me would be to keep soil throw to a minimum. Um, we're actually evaluating a, a novel opener that we've um, seen in Italy um, called the USD opener, and it's got a, a very wide set of wings which are shaped to control and retain the soil throw uh, out of this wide, shallow ferro. And it's designed to actually um, bend a 120 mil wide um, band of seeds, if you like, at okay. the same time. So it's a, it's a high disturbance, but controlled soil throw, a tine opener. So we're doing some tests in uh, Sorbin to, to have a look at um, how, how that is sort of uh, performing. But in, on the side of that as well, we've got this ability to um, work with computer simulations um, using a technique called discrete element modeling. And with that, we can simulate seeding systems operating in a soil-like medium on, in a computer, and we can do a lot of optimization work. And so far, the work we've done in that uh, field help us to explain why some of the systems perform better, in, especially like in non-wetting soils. For, for example, if we go back to these paired row uh, systems, the integrated paired row systems, we've been able to show uh, an ability to control the, the, the backfill from the top layer down to the, the seed zone, and that's often uh, quite critical to, to ensure that the seed germination is rapid. Um, and uh, also when sowing into marginal stored moisture below a dry top layer. So we've been able to actually correlate um, these um, simulations with the results we find in the field and, and essentially uh, provide a basis to explain why the, the, we're seeing these differences. So we're using these computer simulations now um, as a way to optimize how seeding uh, technology can better combine and match with the ferro opening technology. Uh, you might have heard that we've done some work as well with um, the bent leg opener, which is an opener that can actually cancel out in, in, in full the sore throw, the extent of sore throw. So there's ways to, I think, I think optimize all these designs and, and hopefully um, and uh, with the aim to 
uh, increase the reliability of uh, establishing crops in challenging situations now marginal moisture is, is really uh, a critical sort of uh, limitations on farm as we know and um, yeah, if we can be more effective at establishing crops uh, into the available moisture I think that that'll be a one of the benefits of, of doing more research in this area. Yeah, very cool. Thank you so much. It's such a comprehensive overview, Jack. We really appreciate you taking the time because it is an area of great interest for farmers and agronomists and everyone, really. Um, so thank you so much and, uh, yeah, really appreciate it. No worries. Thank you for the opportunity and, uh, yeah, all the best.